Hey, it's Jordan. We'll open up the Chill Factory in about 20 seconds. Wouldn't it be great to start the year with simple, fast, and effective stress and anxiety reducers that you can use for the rest of the year and forever? Well, this is exactly what the self-paced Quick Calm video workshop will give you. And at the end of this episode, I'll give you a special discount code so that you and 99 other listeners can get Quick Calm for less. And I'm standing out there broadcasting live, and I remember thinking, this is no place for the mother of a four and a half year old. If I was that stressed out, I can only imagine what viewers were feeling. Welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make life more enjoyable. I'm Jordan Friedman. First, an important definition before I tell you a quick story. Stress is our body's response to any threat, demand, or challenge. Whether that threat, demand, or challenge is something real, like stepping outside and feeling the freezing cold weather, or having a dentist's drill working in your mouth, or something perceived, like thinking it might be really cold outside, or I have a dentist appointment later this afternoon and they're going to use that dreaded drill. Sorry. The stress response is wired into us. It brings us to attention so that we can prepare to deal with the danger or threat at hand. It can be a lifesaver. Okay, now the story. Recently, I was in the baggage claim area of an airport waiting for my luggage after getting off of a flight. And a local TV news reporter came up to me with her camera person and asked me if I would answer a couple of questions. And I said, sure. She asked me how my flight was. And I said, oh, it was great. She then asked me if it was delayed. Uh, Was I on time? And I said, oh, no delays at all. And in fact, I arrived early. And then she asked me, were there any problems during the flight? Were there any passengers who were misbehaving? And I said, no, everyone was great. Everyone was really nice as far as I could see. Well, she seemed disappointed in my answers and thanked me and then abruptly turned around and walked away. And my comments did not make it into her story that night on the news. And I wondered if I had answered differently, if I had said the opposite of what I said, would I have made it into the story? Well, I have someone great to talk to about news, how it's made, its connection to our stress and anxiety levels, and perhaps most importantly, how to consume news without getting too stressed out. Karen Friedman is a business communications expert, syndicated columnist, and best-selling author. She heads Karen Friedman Enterprises, a leadership communications firm, and is an adjunct professor at Smith College's Executive Education Program for Women. I invited Karen to the Chill Factory today because she was also a local TV news reporter, just like the one who interviewed me at the airport. For years, she reported for Philadelphia's Action News, the leading local news program in the country. Action News was on WPVI-TV, an ABC News affiliate. And Karen Friedman is also my sister. Karen, is that what was going on here with some of her questions to me? Was she trying to get responses that could be aired that night that would cause people to feel some threat or demand to be 
stressed. It's similar to when the anchors go to a commercial and they say, when we come back, something you'll want to know about what's in your kids' lunches. So, yes and no. She wasn't looking for you to help her stress people out. She probably got assigned a story that said, there has been a lot of trouble at airports and a lot of unruly passengers. Go to the airport and see what you can find out. So she asks you a question and you don't fit that mold. So she moves on to somebody else. But think about it this way. Her thought process isn't to necessarily rile you up. There's nothing very interesting about a flight that is on time with no issues. If a flight has mechanical issues, God forbid crashed, made an emergency landing, that makes news. So you can think about crops in Florida, for example. No one is going to do a story that says, in Florida today, the oranges just hung in there and grew. But if there was a cold snap and the oranges suffer and our prices go up as a result, that becomes a story. The other part that you mentioned, every parent needs to know what their kids are eating for lunch, that is called a tease. And what that is, is trying to get you to stay tuned. So maybe you watch a story and you're about to turn it off and go make dinner or something, and you hear that. Well, you as a parent or a caregiver will say, ooh, I, I, I want to know about that. So it's not deliberately trying to stress you out. It's trying to get you to keep watching. Interesting, because, okay, if it's not deliberate, what you're saying is they're presenting news or information that is not ordinary, right? And often it's something negative that's happening, something that they think you should know about. So it's just sort of what you get often when you turn on the news or maybe read a newspaper or listen to the radio or read something on the web, that you're going to get the things that are are different and maybe, you know, challenging to use a broad sense of the word. And that's where stress comes in. So it, it's almost like, well, beware, because this is some of what you're going to get, even if it doesn't affect the majority of people viewing. Yes. And you know what's interesting Unfortunately, negativity sells. Think about political campaigns. Oh, this person's horrible. They did this. They did this. They're the worst person on the planet. Don't vote for them. And, and many years ago, when I was a reporter, I recall there was a station, I think it was somewhere in Orlando, and people were always complaining, you know, why do you people have to be so negative? There are so many great stories in the world. Why don't you cover them? And this television station back in, in my day as a reporter said, okay, we're going to do that. And for whatever it was, 30 days or 60 days, I think it was a rating period at the time, they stopped covering homicides and terrible stories. Their ratings actually dropped. So if you think about this, if I go out there and I do a story and I interview one person who says one thing, and I interview somebody else who says the polar opposite, and I put them together, that's conflict, right? That's emotional conflict. And it is more engaging than, oh, everything is wonderful and nice and beautiful. I'm not saying it's right, but what I'm telling you is this is how 
it works. And regardless of today, where we have social media and we have a million different channels and, and everything, and it might be different than when I did it, the process of trying to get people to watch is still very similar. Hmm. So Karen, for those of us who want to know what's going on in the world, but don't want to be overstressed by it, or we don't want to have nightmares that night because of what we just watched on TV or read in the newspaper, what would be the chapter titles of your guide, if you were writing one, how to consume the news without being too stressed out about it? So here are the top three chapters that come to mind. The first and probably the most important being moderation. And we could say that about anything. We can say that about, you know, food and about alcohol and about drugs or, or whatever, whatever it is that we do. And what I mean by, by moderation means don't watch or go online all day long. You have to limit your consumption. The second, which is part of moderation, is perspective. So the saying's always been, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, um, crime and conflict and emotion, that sells. Whether you're reading a newspaper, a blog, you know, on a social site, television, etc. And there is also repetition from newscast to newscast, as well as follow-ups a week later or, or even a few weeks later. So you, you turn on the news and you're going, oh my goodness, oh, oh, this happened again. You know, not even realizing that it might be the same story. And, and in preparation for talking to you today, Jordan, I, I wanted to look up some numbers to, to give you a little bit of perspective. There was a survey done by the American Psychological Association back in around 2018 it found that more than 60% of adults say they experience media-induced stress. Yet, the latest stat that I saw also says the average American spends at least an hour a day on traditional media and about an hour and a half on social media. So think of it like food. If we eat all day long, we're going to get bloated and we're probably going to gain weight. If we watch the news all day, or tap into sites all day, we're going to get bloated from overload and we might feel like we're going to explode. So it's the same thing. Moderation, perspective, and third, how do you change your habits? So my advice would be, think about how you start and how you end your day. If you start your day watching the news or reading the news and you start to feel really anxious Pay attention to that. If you end your day with it and all of a sudden you can't sleep or you're, you, you're having nightmares, same thing. Change your habits. Maybe you don't watch the news in the morning. Maybe you don't end with it. Maybe you just check in a couple of times a day to stay informed. So you are aware of what's happening, but you're not consumed with it. Great advice. And if I could add one chapter, I would say think about which sources you want to get your news from, because there are a lot of them and there are variations in how they communicate the news, how much they repeat the types of language they use, some more sensational than others. So we do have some or maybe a lot of control here, not only 
with the great suggestions that you just made, but also with where we get our news. No one's forcing us to watch that channel or read this magazine. So we do have choice. Well, you know, that's an excellent point because at the end of the day, it really is your choice. You know, you know, as an individual, and we're all different, what causes stress and what causes anxiety. So like any bad habit, if you will, the starting point is recognizing it and then committing to change or committing to adapting so you can minimize your stress or, or limit your stress. If you log on to Facebook, you think, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm reading this article on Facebook and, and good, you know, I, I, I like what I see here. But the reality is that the numbers say that most people who log on to Facebook are more likely to believe a story that was sent to them by a friend rather than go out and do their own due diligence. So there's not necessarily critical thinking. They might read that just like a, a newspaper. They might read the headline. They might read that first graph and then go, oh, okay, cool. And then they forward it on to a friend without getting full perspective. So it's really interesting, you know, what's happening today. But you're, you're so right, Jordan. It, it is your choice. You know, what's, what source is going to stress you out the least and, and what is working for you? And if you do make those changes, pay attention. Do you find that you're having less angst? when you go to sleep, that you're not having as many, many nightmares. Pay attention to what is or isn't happening. Yeah, I do find personally that when I take a break from the news, maybe even for a couple of days, I do feel better. And that worry I might have about missing something, if it's really important, I'm going to hear about it one way or another. So I remember when we were growing up, that you left local TV news, or at least one reason that you left, was because uh, once again you found yourself at 5 a.m. in a snowstorm standing on the shoulder of the Pennsylvania Turnpike so that you could tell people that it was snowing. Am I remembering that correctly? Well, you're remembering part of it correctly. So they usually sent me out on the highway to tell people that it might snow. And it could be 24 hours in advance. And I'm standing there saying, it's not snowing yet, but look at the salt trucks behind me. They're ready to clean up the Delaware Valley. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's something actually that still exists. It's called hut levels, H-U-T, houses using television. And what it means is the number of houses using television is greater when there's a snowstorm. So people are going to watch. And they're going to say, oh, I, I, I better run to the store. There's not going to be milk. There's not going to be bread. Hurry up. I'm going to be locked in for three days. And, you know, we used to do this all the time. And we thought that it was so ridiculous. But that's what we were assigned to do. And does that prompt or promote stress? Well, you're the stress expert, not me. But I would think that it prompts and promotes anxiety. You know, when, when I left Jordan, I had just kind of had it. You know, I loved my career, don't get me wrong, I did it for a long time. The real turning point for me was one night at 11 o'clock at night in this particular neighborhood, a sniper was on the loose. And I'm standing out there broadcasting live and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is no place for the mother of a four and a half year old and a six month old to be. 
I have to find something else to do. And of course, at that time, I didn't know what it was. Um, eventually, I figured it out. But, you know, listen, if I was that stressed out, I can only imagine what viewers were feeling. Yeah. So since then, since you left TV News, you have built a global career helping people to communicate, whether it's to media or to colleagues or to audiences of all different kinds, how to communicate clearly and with confidence and to be uh, persuasive. So I don't want to let you go from the chill factory without asking you about those topics, because that's really important to people's stress reduction and anxiety reduction, particularly around how to be more comfortable making presentations or speaking publicly, because that's a huge stressor in the list of things that cause people stress. So any headline suggestions, uh, tips, uh, things that you've learned over the years that you've heard from people you've worked with about how to make that process of communicating more comfortable, less stressful, more successful? So the biggest tip that I can offer is you have to want it. You have to want to become a more effective communicator and you have to commit to it. You know, years ago, uh, former President Bill Clinton was the keynote speaker for Dukakis when Dukakis ran for office. And he said he was so terrible that the only time people clapped for him was when he said, in conclusion. So he said he knew at the time he wanted to be president and he made a commitment to learn how to become a better communicator. Uh, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, like everyday regular people, was absolutely terrified of public speaking. He said he literally, back in high school, used to throw up. He was that nervous. And he said he went and he took a course from Dale Carnegie on how to become a better speaker. And he still has that diploma hanging in his office because he said it literally changed his life. So what I'm telling you is what Warren Buffett tells young people when he speaks to them. Invest in yourself. That's the overarching advice. I can teach you how to engage and deliver better and organize better and, and all of that stuff. But if you think about it, if you, if you wanted to become a skater or a biologist, or a teacher, you would get training, right? If you wanted to become a boxer, you wouldn't just jump in the ring without having training. So speaking is no different. If your company offers training, get it. Uh, if you can invest in coaching, get it. If you have a local Toastmasters chapter in your neighborhood, go. A lot of people think, Jordan, well, you know, I'm successful. Um, I, I've gotten pretty far in my career so far, so I must communicate well enough. Well, maybe you do, but maybe you're also not as good as you think you are. Good communicators inspire, they connect, they influence, and they learn how to talk so other people listen. And that's the bottom line. It's also a good reminder that Few people, if any, just all of a sudden stand up and are great at something, including public speaking. You have to work at it and practice and take every opportunity. So thank you for that. And thank you for all of this because I've had this idea to do this segment for a while and it 
wasn't until that reporter came up to me and I saw you in her face. So I, uh, I'm so glad we, we've done this. And I would have never imagined growing up in the suburbs of Philadelphia many years ago together with all of our childhood antics that we would be here today and on the opposite sides of the microphone helping people reduce stress. So Karen Friedman, my sister, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And yeah, it is great to be on the other side of the microphone with you, Jordan. So thank you. Helping others is a feel-good and often stress-relieving activity. So with that in mind, I have a favor to ask. It's not a favor for me. It's a favor for all of us and one that could help save lives. A couple of days ago, I was affected by a situation that was discussed on three previous episodes of The Chill Factory. Episode 6, Understand Trauma to Make Life Easier. Episode 11, Worried About My College Kid. And Episode 14, Worried About My Younger Kid. My guests, Mary Dino, Todd Sevig, and Scott Bloom, respectively, were so clear and helpful on these shows when talking about depression, suicide, and other mental health topics. And in all cases, they gave us words that we could use to help others. So I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to share the episodes that make most sense for you and your audiences with as many people as possible on social media, your friends, to your schools, to your human resources department, in newsletters, on listservs, by email, etc., so that they can reach as many people as possible. Because all three conversations can potentially save lives. You can go to thechillfactory.net and get the direct links to each of these three episodes from that site. We're happy to send graphics if that would be helpful, and if you have any questions about the episodes or ideas about how to get them to an even bigger audience, don't hesitate to send an email to info at thestresscoach.com. And thank you. Okay, here's the special discount code I promised you for the self-paced quick calm video workshop, which will teach you 10 data-driven stress and anxiety reduction techniques, including quick calm, which is the most popular technique I teach. Just go to quickcalm.net to learn more about the workshop and use the discount code HEADLINE. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. We have more resources at thechillfactory.net, and you can leave a voice comment or question there. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of any site page. Be sure to subscribe or follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And if you liked something you heard on this or any episode, we'd love it if you rated or reviewed The Chill Factory wherever you get your podcasts. And as legendary broadcast journalist Edward R. Murrow said, we can't make good news out of bad practice.